this episode of the Big Bottom Podcast, Blossom finds out that Tony Playo is actually Joey. Whoa. That's right, folks. It's another time for the Big Bottom Podcast, brought to you live with Steve Araujo, Tony Paleo, and your host, John Moody. John Actually, Moody. We're all we're all hosts, right. but just oh, yeah, we're all like something. Yeah. Hold on, right. Blossom. 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 Wow, that's a pull, dude. That I, I kudos because literally, probably one of the farthest things from my mind is Blossom. <laughs> Right. I love him in the, the 90s, so. Was that the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Early mid-90s. I don't think I watched much so, in the 90s. All right. To, to segue into that, this yeah. very special episode of Blossom is brought to you by Golden State Coffee Roasters. Yeah. Little did they know that they were responsible for a 90s Right. <laughs> We love you, you know, Golden State. would be as if we actually get Joey Lawrence and Mayim Bialik to start listening to this. That would be hysterical. <laughs> the, the fact that you know the names of the actors and actresses. I said, I'm a child of the 90s. I know all that pop culture stuff. Blowing my mind. I love it so much, man. But, right. yeah, so one of our sponsors that we love, Golden State Coffee. These Damn. guys rule. Ross is uh, one of us in that he is also a bass player. A ripping bass player. A ripping right. bass player. Really um, he and I have had some good talks about strings and stuff, and so I've, uh, I think right now I don't have it here because it's already ground up. I've been using the Harsu. That's a good one. I like it. And I've been, uh, I've been experimenting a little bit, doing it with cold brew as well. Ooh. Yep. Nice. I just got this Kabingo. I've been. Using That's some good stuff. I just killed mine. Really good. Which uh, which flavor you got there, Tony? Uh, this is the espresso. I'm and I have to order more. Yeah, I have to order more. But you got the espresso. I'm like behind in ordering. So. If you were to order it on their website, which is goldenstate.coffee, you could use the promo code Big Bottom One Five, Big Bottom Fifteen, and that's in store or on the interwebs at goldenstate.coffee. Big Bottom One Five, folks. We're uh, we're really stoked to have them as a sponsor. It's uh, it's fantastic. So we really, you know, hats off and thank them a lot. They've taken care of us, and we're taking care of them. Hopefully, and yeah, really good, good stuff. Yeah, and their uh, their showroom, whatever warehouse thing, is in downtown Placentia in California, and it's a great space. And um, you know, sometime we'll have a hang there for sure. A real that'd be great. January, January. Namish time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, who's our other sponsor? Tony? Uh, lovely A-Designs Audio, Pete Montessi's company. Ooh, the best tube DI on the market, the yeah. Red DI, or the Ready, as it's commonly called. Right. Yep. And if I may. Yeah, adesignsaudio.com. Put the webpage there. Great people, great sponsor. All of us have used their gear. and The KGB yeah. preamp. Yep. Which I tend to like on guitar and keys. I love that. I actually just got to play with keys on this. Dude, how good is it? It's killer, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, it, yeah. It, well, it's an instant fattener. That's, nice. I don't know how else to put it. It instantly makes it fatter. I feel like I'm listening to a vinyl record. Yeah. yeah. It, it The Transformer, you know, it's just one of the best Transformers. 
same as this, or <laughs> there, inside, but the KGB has it, and Cinemag, it's just really great stuff, man. It's killer. Yeah. And just we killer. love Montesi. The guy's one of the raddest, awesome, best people in the biz, man. I mean, I've gotten to use a lot of DIs. I'm in a DI dork, and I'm, I'm I love the ready. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ready's 300 killer. sessions on it, yeah. Yeah, so check them out. We thank them. And uh, and then also, we have a uh, webpage. We oh, have that's webpage. right. Yeah. John, could you mention the webpage, John? I could if I remembered the, the Earl. Let's the see. Earl, um, Big Bottom Podcast. I think it's BigBottomPodcast.com. Yes, it's yes. BigBottomPodcast.com. So we'll and we have a Facebook page. Bro. Facebook page, too, Big Bottom Podcast. Yes. And we are working on, I might have it up, but um, a Patreon thing because we all, right. yeah, so the, the three of us, we're obviously, you know, working, doing our stuff, but to produce these, it takes, takes some work, takes some editing, takes some stuff. So um, if I have it up on time, I'll put a link there and people If can... you like what we're doing, folks, if you enjoy right. it, um, give a little, feel free to, you whatever. know to donate to whatever you want to the Patreon, to the big bottom. And it's just to help keep put, putting these out and uh, put them on. That's all. Yeah. Really. If you like what you're hearing. We're having fun doing it. We like it. We like it. We're having a great time. We don't take ourselves too serious. We want to have a good time. We get mm -hmm. a little geeky. So We're lucky enough to have some of the best bass players on the planet on here. Yeah. So, and not just bass players. No, not just bass. It's no. musician. We're, we're kind of doing this as the musician podcast so and it can be manufacturers players you know it's pretty open to anybody that circus clowns circus clowns those, maybe they are people too they really are so this week who do we have on our podcast we have Pancho tomaselli the very who also comes <laughs> with a pg-13 rating for strong language yeah i i drop the occasional F-bomb and S-bomb. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? But yeah, He doesn't hide. Poncho doesn't hide anything. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Very colorful. He's awesome. And, I mean, just a badass player. Like There's a couple of times the, the screen froze during yep. the other. So, so forewarned people, if you might see it, Poncho lock up for a moment. Wait. Like that? Like that. <laughs> then it, it goes away. And yeah. the audio, yeah, apologies for the audio. I think his Wi-Fi was kind of a little messed up, but, I mean. And I apologize that Steve, one of my wardrobe and stole my shirt. Well, yeah. Wait a second. No, man. I I know. Sorry. Yeah. But John and I were matching hats. Yep. So we kind of have this good little glory right now. Yeah, Poncho, Poncho's just such a badass and really, like we were talking, just very much like, if you can talk the talk, that's great. But you know he just he doesn't he doesn't have to say how much of a badass he is. Right. He's just a fucking badass. I mean, literally taking the Tower of Power gig on in days' notice, playing with Dave Garibaldi, the drummer. You know, I mean, that's it's 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 amazing, and and he really gets the balance between uh, academia and actually street knowledge. So I I love sure. that about him, and I've For always sure. loved that where he. He just gets it, you know, that you have to be studied, but you have to also just be able to fucking lay a, lay a groove down. Yep. 
on two notes for who knows how long. So, yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. We real really life, real life player. Yeah. And, and he's also, you know, him and I have talked a lot about just, you know, marketing. He was with ESP, ESP for a long time. He kind of helped them develop a thing for him. He's also with GNL now. So really, you know, he's, he's just a smart, smart guy. And we always kind of talk about, especially in these times, kind of reinventing and, you got to have a lot of irons in the fire and you reinvent mm-hmm. yourself. And, and Poncho's one of those guys that <laughs> I literally never would have to even think about worrying about because he, he'll find a way or a something to, to be better at or to evolve into, which is, which is fantastic. And I love that attitude, you know, it's, yeah, it's commendable. Different podcast, a lot of fun. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys. Big Bottom Podcast, Steve Arajo. Tony Paleo. John Moody. We're going to say goodbye now. Enjoy it. And uh, that's about it. Okay. Bye. Oh, man. I should have been recording. Anyway, always have the record button when, when I'm on the fucking stage. Exactly, that's man. Okay. Anyway, have I met this nice gentleman here with a hat? That looks like me, and he has his glasses, which I should. That's why I was going to make this. Hey, yeah. What? I can't see. Here, hold on. I have some. Oh, <laughs> nice. Now? Oh, shit. Hey, can me too, me too, me too. <laughs> and oh. they're all, yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, Pudge Tomaselli's on the Big Bottom Podcast. Look at this. Oh. This is a dream come true. What's up, Poncho? How are you, man? Oh, we had a little little glitch. Oh my God, he's stuck. There he is. There he is. You were stuck for a second. What's yeah, up? This is gonna stop. Nah, I, I hope it'll be okay. We'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll make it work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. obviously, Poncho, you know the guys. You know the boys, right? You know the other dudes. I know the boys. Yeah. So How you guys been? Good. Yeah. Dealing, dealing. Yeah, not bad. Dealing with the shit. Yeah. Well, Poncho yep. and I, Poncho and I are on West Coast, and uh, John and Tony are on the uh, East Coast. So we're we're kind of getting, you know, we always kind of talk and are finding out that it's, uh, yeah, the craziness all over the country, man. It's nutty. It is, man. I mean, it sure is making me play better, and the chops are on fire. Practicing, mm-hmm. but by myself, which I don't know what the hell, you know. I can't play with a drummer anymore unless I program something, which it's fun. Yeah. But um, it's all good, man. I think it's, it's a great time for all of us to, to get our shit together. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Make more music and, um, and I don't know, play more bass. Yeah. Refocus. Find out. You know, that's right, man. Why not? You know, we have time and, um, Instead of instead of YouTube, you know, it's bass. Practice some music, you know. That's yeah. what I'm. I've been doing that, you know. I've been, of course, doing some design with GNL with the bass, which I tried today. Our, our, our little baby here, yep. um, and um, the pickups are insane. You know, it's something that uh, everybody in this. Uh, this quartet here is going to be very excited about these pickups because holy crap. Hmm. I mean, I recorded, we did a version of Money by Pink Floyd, but we did it like 
freaking methamphetamine style. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's insane. And, and, I, and I originally did it with a jazz bass. And, um, but, um, you know, he needed a little more growl, but without that preamp growl, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. we went there with, with MFD pickups and, and, um, we tried, we put as much fucking wire as we could on those suckers on like a ceramic magnet, you know, and, uh, and the outcome was insane. The freaking huge amounts of overhead. And you know, bass, we need overhead because our sound wave is huge, you know? Yeah. You see, playing, playing, playing live, I discovered something, you know? And the problem, let me fix my shit. The problem with us was in like the, uh, we tend stage, right? Because if you play with someone that keeps it mellow, we keep it with her because our job is to play with a whole band. But if the guitar player and the drummer are fucking loud, then you have to turn it up, right? Sometimes we don't have the amplification or the pickups to do that. And unfortunately, what our biggest mistake to do is we crank the bass just to get a little bit more air. But that ruins our tone because it, it fucks with our mid range and then our frequency gets canceled when you're in the front of the stage and the guy in the in the road 80 is going like this because ah, it's so fucking loud, you know? And then the engineer is going like this, you know? So you, you kill your tone because all you need is more, more pressing. So it's not about bass that we need to fix. It's because bass is bass. Like salt is fucking salty. Bass has fucking bass in it. You know what I'm saying? So don't crank the bass. As a matter of fact, what uh, Rocco Prestia and all the masters I see doing a lot was like, if this is your bass knob, and this is your, if this is your level knob, and this is your bass knob, what you do is this. You supplement. If you turn the level up, you bring the bass down because otherwise you run out of room on the spectrum of your frequency. Do you understand? And then we fart and then we distort, right? Well, that's gain. I mean, it just adds gain. That's what it does. You and I know about it because of form factor. Form factor did it. Yeah. They gave us a, a head with so much room in it that you can get a clean signal without distorting at a thousand watts. And you can play all whatever you want yeah. and clean, 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 no distortion because their power supplies fucking gives you so much power, so much headroom that you have room. Yeah. Right? So my idea was to come up with or to come up with in conjunction with MFD with a pickup that kind of has the same basic principle, yeah. right? Something that it comes out so hot already with enough room that you don't have to rely on an extra preamp or an extra little EQ to crank your bass or it's just pure level. All you need is a good amp and crank it. And there you go. You know, it has, it has, you can, you can parallel run my pickup with an active pickup in fucking age. Well, actually, you have you know, your like a passive pickup. You know, Pancho, that's a good point. I play uh, my L2500 uh -huh. in passive mode. There they are. Uh-huh. Right? And that's it. 
Not to interrupt, Tony, sorry, but we were just showing the the MFD. Yeah, but that's right. You play it on passive mode because it has a lot of bottom. You need to give, you need to supplement, right? You need to give it some room, right? Is Tony, is that why you play it on passive mode? I just, I feel that it has enough. You know, I'm always, preamps for me are I vary for just a little bit of tone shaping. It's more for my output. I mean, these guys, I've, I've said it to them a bunch of times, they know, and the audience probably knows, you know, who knows me. I like to have all my bases for the work I've done to have a very similar output. So my preamps are more for a little bit of gain boost. I like going out with, like you, I like going out with a strong signal and right. giving a front of the house, here you go, there's no complaints here. You've right. got something full spectrum, lots of overhead. You know, I know a lot of touring guys that feel the same way, you know. Uh, I don't necessarily need active for active. I want active for for the gain, for the headroom, you know. And the MFDs, I'm a firm believer in uh, overwound ceramics are just, they're big. They're big. Well, for the, and for the folks that don't know, the MFD is the magnetic field design pickups, and they are proprietary to GNL. Um, it's a Leo Fender, you know, masterpiece, basically. And it's, and. What did you coin it as, Steve? Leo's last word? Yeah, Leo's last word, you know, Leo's last, I mean, that's really his, his last thing. And to tell you the truth, when I first started doing stuff with GNL, I, I didn't get the MFDs at first. It was all, it, and then the more I played them live, I was like, oh, fuck, I get it. I get it, you know, and, and it's, and the funny thing is, is I sent, you know, we, Tony has two L2500s, um, and we sent some other stuff out, but I remember Tony was so adamant about, like, series, everything's series. I go, dude, I don't, series is a wild fucking ride on the MFDs. I go, oh, series on the MFDs, I think, in my opinion. Woo! It, it's too much, unless you play, I this, guess. Yeah really like maybe like Ray Rondu yeah like really soft yeah. like a fusiony guy which is not me yeah <laughs> and I, told, I, I was like dude trust me I go passive or parallel I, I, I go I don't know just there you go here you go and then he uh kind of got it you know but the, they have this I guess if you, if you were to um simplify it into terms it's it's this low mid, it's this mid-low growl that they have. It's an inherent quality to them. I that's, guess. What, that's what I like about it. Because hey, absolutely, a of, yeah. A lot of these pickups, I mean, you know, like I say, you don't want to add bass to bass. No. What, what we lack, not even treble. Yeah. What we lack is mid-range. You know dude, what I'm saying? Dude, that's what makes those fucking jamerson track so beautiful by themselves they sound like ass they're like Ugh. but in that mix it's like it, it's holy grail tone you know and it's a p bass and everybody thinks p basses are this low it's not it's and it fits in that audio spectrum just perfectly so well, you know by the time those tracks got to the signal they were so distorted that all the bass <laughs> shaped off you know, so, yeah, you know, yeah. it was a Fairchild what compressor they were just plugging direct to yeah. it. Yeah, Mic'ing up a, yeah, and miking up a what a like a B fifteen or something that's B distorting and breaking up, and it's just that beautiful, 
that growl, you know? So, so yeah, <laughs> we have a visitor. We do. It's my office assistant. Nice. <laughs> That's right. So, Poncho, did you, did you take, do you have the bass? Did you get it or do you? you at the studio right now because we've been recording. I left it there. They wanted to like dig in with a with the tone a little bit for tomorrow. Nice, nice. We're running a crazy, you know, because we have time now. Like whenever I record, I run like six tracks of bass. Cool. So pretty cool. much, I mic every amp I have. I put every preamp I have, and we plug it all together. And then what we do is like, I will grab like the ready, you know, and, and EQ it to only. <laughs> we got to show off our A-Design shit. Yeah. I need signed by Pete. Oh, by Pete. Oh, dude, I got to get mine signed. And Tony, Tony's got, Tony's got all this stuff. I've, I've, yeah, I've got, I've got the ready as well. The last time I saw Poncho, he had the ready up to his head uh, in Anaheim. <laughs> like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got my ready. I got my ready oh. right there. But, you know, like I said, so I will grab like every different, just for fun and start experimenting. So I will, I will assign from zero to 82 hertz to the ready on the EQ. And then for the KGB, I will go from like 82 to like 500 hertz EQ, like filters. So I'll make like this blocks of frequency okay. with this different bass, you know, kind of like build me a block, yeah. an EQ, like a, like a, a parameter of bass tones by doing like, 10 different lines parallel. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of stupid and crazy, but hey, and it's me. We have no time. Are you happy with it? And does it cut in the track? That's all it, that matters. Same because when you need more bass, you crank the ready, which has all the air, all the 40s, all the 80s, you know? And you can like mix your bass track. I mean, maybe I have too much time. Maybe I'm smoking too much weed at the studio. No. <laughs> you can hear it. You can hear it. And then when you got like an engineer that knows his shit, it's, Dude, all, all, it's us, all good. All of us have, you know, time and, you know, in California, hey, partake in a little legal weed. Why not? You know, and have fun and enjoy the sound. Hey, you know, it was funner when it was illegal. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't need to hide. Like, oh, I don't need to go like this anymore. Yeah. And you can I actually go. Oh, to yeah. It was more exciting. Well, and and Poncho, I know that we uh, we seriously just kind of jumped into it, but tell the people like you played, you played with War, you played with Tower of Power. I mean, like, tell us about those things, especially the Tower of Power thing. That I love that man. That's it's a great gig. That was an intense gig. I think that grew hair in my fucking <laughs> made you a man. Did not have. <laughs> Holy shit. That was, that was intense. It, so, it was not only intense because as we all know in this room though, the music of Tower is oh, kind of like at its highest level. Yeah, know, holy grail. You know? Yeah. Like, well, and, and- Starting from that, but like then uh, Dave, uh, Dave Garibaldi called me on Monday. Yeah. I was on the road with war going from Reno to the airport to go to Maryland. And then he told me that um, Rocco had had some health issues, and then um, yeah. they had to like leave him leave him at the doc at the doctor, you know. And then uh, that they needed a bass player for the next leg of the tour 
was like, know, like 20 plus shows in November of, what was the year? 2014, 15, I remember. And, um, and he goes, I want you to meet us in Vegas. And I'm like, sure. No rehearsal, no charts. No, he goes, meet us in stage. Here's a, here's a, a one hour and a half file of the show. Learn that. Learn it. And then uh, let's meet us, at the, meet us at the sound check, and then we'll do the show. Yeah. And I was you had like, to shed pretty hard to do right. Let me, let me, I go, let me fucking vomit. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever, you know. So I had a gig in between with war in Maryland. So I had like pretty much a little bit of Tuesday, yeah. And then Thursday, and then the airplane and the airport time to learn the gig. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is. Everybody travels here. You learn the gig sometimes like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking airplane, you know? And um, so I went. I did the gig. It was great. I had, I had uh, some students write me some charts for homework. <laughs> I had no time. So I said, okay, your assignment for your A-plus for the grade uh, transcribe soul vaccination. What is here? You know, don't change horses. You're still a young man. All the things transcribe. No by note from here. There you go. So now I had charts at least. Yeah. Which you know I'm pretty shady reader anyway. But but there they are. You can see where the music is going. Sure. You know, you can follow the shit. You know, we all know that shit. Yeah. You know? Ears up. Especially if you know if you know the song, you know it's a lot easier to read a chart if you already heard the song before. But mm -hmm. in my career, the funny thing is that the first time I played Low Rider in my life was with War. Wow. The first time I played Soul Vaccination, What Is Here was with Tower of Power. The first time I played House of the Rising Song was with Eric Byrne in yeah. fucking Royal Albert Hall. The first time I played La Bamba was with Lobos and MacArthur Park. You know, so it's like all oh, this first time events because in my career that are so funny because I don't do, I don't learn covers, yeah. you know, cause I much rather do some shade of my own. I guess I thought it was healthy for me to develop my sound, you know, yeah. so when mm -hmm. I get called to these gigs and everybody's like, what do you mean? You don't know what the Cisco kid is. I'm like, I've never heard it. <laughs> and you learn it. And then I, I stay with war, what, 13 years of my life and my career. So I got to, I got to know the, the West coast pocket and, what Chicano music was and what it means to the world. And, and because of that is I, got, I ended up playing with all these people. You know what I'm saying? Chi Ching Chong was another good gig. Dude, that's awesome. I don't remember shit, but it was great. <laughs> I got paid. <laughs> well, so, so I have a, maybe a question and a statement also is like, I, I, I mean, I think I love Jocko and I love Rocco and I love that obviously, but, people get so caught up with the notes that they forget the fucking feel. It's mm -hmm. all about the groove and the pocket. And I, and I think that gets overlooked a lot with, I mean, for me, Jocko, you know, like that first record. Yeah. It's notes, but man, his groove and his feel, and obviously Rocco Rocco's feel notes. I mean, it, it, he's Holy grail, you know, he's a Holy grail player, but, and, and then with you playing with such a groove monster like Garibaldi, I mean, tell, I mean, it's important to get that feel. I mean, more so than the notes. I mean, what do you, like your, your interpretation? You know, the way I approach all these gigs, which yeah. is because I, I am not a fan. Like, like I don't know all these songs, like people, sure. you know, I've never played them before. 
to me is very important, especially when I joined war. It's very important. I, I remember I'll go into the books, I'll go into the records and look at what B.V. Dickerson was playing, his bass, where his hand was, his amp, what fucking shoes he was wearing, you know, when was he smoking weed before or after the show? That's what I pay attention to because music to me is something that's second nature. It's like peeing, you know what I'm saying? When I feel like it, I go and you pee and boom, it's done. You know what I'm saying? The more you think about it and like, what something Dave told me when I joined Towers, he goes, we're hiring because you're Pancho Tomaselli. We're not hiring you to play like Rocco. Yeah. We're hiring you to be Pancho, to play the song like you. You know, which which is great. It sounded like fucking Afrobeat for a while when I was with Tara. <laughs> you know, it was great. Hey, it sounded yeah. a little. You're nice. lucky because not all gigs are like that, man. I well, mean... you know, also, you know, most of, of your career and our careers are based on public relationships. The reason why Dave Garibaldi, I believe Dave called me is because when I was touring with War and Tower, we were doing double gigs together all around the world. I would do the sound checks and I would try on Rocco's bass and then end up jamming with Dave every day for 45 minutes. The crew hated us. They wanted to go have lunch. We're like, no, dude, this is a hot fucking jam. <laughs> and as a, as, a, as a reason of that, I ended up playing with Tower. I just recently did a, a session with Roger Smith, the keyboard player for Tower Power, Carl Perazza on percussion you know, Santana and all that. It's because it's all these relationships, you know. No, absolutely. You it's know, bang, dude. It's, it, it's attitude. It's good attitude, but you got to fucking know what you're doing because you're yeah. dealing with guys that were jamming with Jimi Hendrix and shit, you know. So if you want to talk shit, you can talk all the shit you want as long as you can back it up, you know. That's and, you know, you know me. I talk a lot of shit, but it's because I can back it up. <laughs> I'm loud. <laughs> I'm loud. <laughs> I love you know how many times I had to explain myself who I was before a war show going late because I was fucking walking down the town and the, and the big all black guy would go, and who the fuck are you? I'm like, I'm a bass player for war. I got to go. He goes, no, you're not. I'm like, Dude, I swear to God, show me something. And I'm like, mm, Metallica t-shirt or like Iron Maiden piece. It's like, no, you're not. You know, it's like, I swear I'm the fucking bass player. For no one. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't Here's my pass. Here's my pass. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You know? No, I probably would have given my pass to someone for weed by then. So I had no pass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times? So if you're going to be loud and talk shit, because I can't go to a six foot five guard with a gun and tell him I'm the bass player for war, motherfucker. Let me in. No. Unless I'm the bass player for war. You know, that's, you know, that's the way I, and that's what I tell the kids, man. Be happy. Be happy of your achievements. Tell the fucking world, but only if it's true, you yeah. know, yeah. otherwise you're a dick, yeah. you know, you become Trump, you know, sorry. Anybody. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't BS, especially in this. I mean, you know, dude, how many times have we been, have we all been BS and you can just smell it like, eh. and it's usually... It's usually now, and, and I've known Pancho. I've known you for a couple of years. You, you're not, dude. You're not. You're not a BSer. You know what I mean? Like usually we can you can sniff out the BSers. 
I'm just lousy. You know, I'm like that fucking chihuahua that's always barking, dude. Yeah. That's my neighbor has my neighbor just just moved in. She has a chihuahua that's always barking, and then she has a large pit bull like mine. The pit's like super quiet, and the chihuahua's like blah, 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 blah. I'm gonna rename him Poncho. Well, you know it is. It is you know like people ask me all the time why I'm being so loud, dude. you know, and 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 so you know how how is it you're not so fucking famous? You play with all these people, and you, you're so loud. And, and I said, because, well, we don't do this for fame, don't we? We do this for art. We do this to get on a platform of influence so we can tell people through music to be righteous, right? That's what we do, you know? And, and always trying to be better. You Correct. Know? To better and, and I think the reason why I've been successful is because I somehow became popular amongst the famous people. You know, so like, cause I got hired by this band and I did a good job. Then the other band heard, and then I ended up in that scene. You know what I'm saying? And it, it would happen. You know, it's, it was attitude combined with, with a good aptitude, you know, yeah. knowing, you know, knowing, what your, I, stuff, knowing your stuff. Yeah. When, when you are a professional musician, the less notes you play, the more money you make. You know what I'm saying? And, and I have an example. I've done gigs at the Baked Potato with like five page charts like this, right? Sure. I can't even, they, they don't even fit on the screen, you know? 25 bucks, 50 bucks, right? I've done gigs with war like this. Two notes. For 45 minutes, pay the whole fucking month. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. It is not, I'm not saying don't play too many. Fucking no, dude, I'm a shredder. I love to shred, but I also like to eat and I also like to pay the bills. So you have to fucking know when you, you do that and when you do this, you know, which is fun. You know what I'm saying? Hold um, it for the right gig, I always say, man. Hold it for the right gig. Get your yayas out, you know, later, right? Yeah, man, and, and we got time, dude, you know, and, and, and if you want to fucking practice and go chops, call some guys, get a shitty gig at your local pizzeria and go play some standards, man, and fucking play all the solos you want. Yeah. yeah. You know, get paid 25 bucks, a piece of pizza and a Coke, and go home like, holy shit, that altar scale ripped over that fucking diminished chord. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah. You know? So... It's just a matter of perspective, you know, fucking where, when to do it. You know? Playing for the situation, playing for the song. It, it's important, you know, but it's feel, it's that, yeah, but, but there's something to be said for that young and just drive where, hey, yeah, hey. you know what I mean? That testosterone filled like youth where you're just like, I got to play Brecker's solo on Skunk Funk exactly like it, you know, or something like yeah, that. Don't let go. Yeah. yeah, don't let go of that. You have to do that. You and well, and it and it all goes to what we're doing and, and trying to just always be better and be, you know, better for ourselves for the soul. Yeah. I remember doing a show with fucking Earth, Wind, and Fire and War, and, and I went to see Bernine. Why I thought he was having a fucking spasm dude, the way he plays. So good though, man. Him in the pocket, he's just like, where, when? Yeah. So laid back, and he's like, where is the one? The way he's jumping, you know, the one is right here, and it, oh, you, you. See. he knows. 
Fuck. Wasn't he also the dance coordinator back in the day? He was like the, uh, I think he was. Wow. Choreographer? He, yeah, exactly. Amazing, dude. I mean, he blew my mind, dude. I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like dancing. I like making people dance. That's for sure. Yeah. But the art of, of dancing. Well, dude, I mean, that's expression, you know? I mean, that's the way he, like, let's say, like, Lewis Johnson, man. Lewis, I mean, dude, that thunder thumbs, that just. Oh, my God. It's amazing, but it's just what he did, you know? So, you know, Jocko with his, you know, I mean, everybody has their. That's what I tell the kids. It's like, don't learn. Learn what they did, you know, analyze it. But don't try to fucking note by note to play that because. Because you're not them, dude. You know, they play like that because fucking every circumstance. When they were a kid, they were sitting down on their porch and they saw this little thing that turned their head into somewhere that became something. You know, like it's the way Jacko was, the way Louis Johnson was. It's circumstances, whole lives. You yeah. know, you can't just grab the notes and learn the notes and play. Because it no. doesn't work like that, bro. It doesn't it's work like that. It, 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 there's so much of your your experiences, your life experiences. Dude, if you do that, you're fucking up, dude. You're like, you're like missing out on the best part of it, which is the universe gives every individual a frequency, a vibration, a sound, dude. Yeah. Don't fucking go copy someone else's sound. Go make your own. You know what I'm saying? Make your own sound, dude. Why are you gonna like go and try? I've never understood. I, I was I struggle financially at the beginning of my career so much because I I said no to so many like wedding gigs and art mitzvahs and whatever and like it was like oh learn this fifty songs note by note I'm like and I'm working on like freaking re you know learning about the altar scales and the modes of the freaking altar chords and I'm like uh, fuck it you know I'll eat tuna or rice. Yeah. You know, I but, applaud right. you for that. Yeah, when, I, I did the same thing. I'm like, after a while, I'm like, no, no I, more. Luckily, I bought. Uh, I, I bought. I, I got married. I bought a wife. And, you bought a wife. Wow, oh, breaking yeah. news. <laughs> Wait, does, does she know? Wait, is she gonna find? How much out? online? Wait a second. <laughs> does she? Brightsprites.com. Is this where she finds out that you bought her? This is where she finds. No, I don't know. <laughs> but you got married. Sorry. Anyway, I got married, and, and she was pretty resilient because she, I guess, she saw that that you know I had some talent or some shit. So <laughs> she pretty much like uh, paid the bills dude, for a while dude, until I got my reading together and my chops back, and hmm. then I got picked up by war, and then. Everything switched. Yeah. yeah. So she, it's been good to have a partner, you know, like that's something that I tell people, you know, it's, it's great to party and to be a rock star and not care, but it's actually better to go on the road and play your music and come back to a balanced environment. You know what I'm saying? Because Dude, the importance of fucking warm bed sheets when you've been gone from your home for like six months, dude, it's unexplainable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
And if, if she's a good woman or a good man, in your case, Steve. Um, uh, whatever. At this point, whatever. We don't judge. We don't judge. I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm gonna if, do something if, special to your base next time. Yeah, they put, up, <laughs> put something on it. Yeah. Draw something on it. No, no, no. You yeah. know, like in, in this, if if that if, if if you can find a partner like that, man, like your music will mature because hmm. and she's the one telling you, dude, that gig sucks. You deserve better. You're like, oh no shit, good good job, you know, or like. You know, so the importance of marriage and family, I think, as a as a musician, has been it's been very it's been very important. I would yeah. say, you Take know, to help develop the roots, your sound. You know, because every note is personal. I tell the guys, you know, every time we hit a note, man, it's got your whole fucking forty six years of fucking oh shit, how am I gonna do this? Poncho, how long have you been with GNL? How long, Steve? Three years. I think three years yeah yeah about three years two and a half three kind of started testing some stuff out and then it just evolved so yeah well gnl allows me to be creative you know which is great just like esp was great too yeah. for me you know i did a great run with esp three designs it went all tips uh, you know top seller and guitar uh, i mean uh, guitar center you know musician's friend People were picking up the bases. They were bases for people like us. You know, they weren't like players. Ten thousand yeah, dollar pieces of fucking furniture. You know, they were like actual bases. Yeah. Always based on the original design of the bass that I learned how to play bass on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Now that wait, the J, the J pickup is missing out of it, huh? You pulled the. Well, you know, this one was, this is the... That's the original. What year is that? This is, it's a 78 neck, but it's a 74 body. Because the neck was broken. It's got Lindy Fralin pickups. I busted the original pickups with, with Joe Cocker one time. Oh, man. <laughs> that to change faces. And um, this is pretty much the base that, where I learned how to play the pocket with war and shit. Right. This is pre-ESP. I had two bases in my whole career. I had this base. I had bought this base. Yeah, yeah. With a credit card. It's a '97 jazz base with it. You know. Yeah. I I was so fucking broke, but this is a. Uh, I nice. did the whole fucking thing. I played Royal Albert Hall with this base. There it is. That's Willie's signature when we play the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he and he was playing with the Eagles. Oh, that's cool. So, right um, middle. So you know, and, and this right here, it was my first bass that my father bought me, and it's an original Michael Tobias. Oh, is that a Tobias? Oh, wow. What serial? What serial number is that, dude? Seventeen fifteen. Yeah, dude, I love it. If you die, that's mine. That's awesome. It's a, it's a Burbank Tobias. It's yep. a one of three that he built on this X with a prototype Bartolini's without the Bartolini yep. on it. You Dude. Know. Oh, wow. Okay. Michael still remembers this base. Really? Every time we talk, he still right. remembers. He said there's three. There's a five string and there's a fretless. Ooh. On this same same wood, same configuration. I saw the five string at the at Gary's. Oh yeah, was that the at the amp shop? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
yeah, so those are, those are the first three like important bases and from that it evolved to like, out of those three bases, I came up with the idea to do the, the ESP signature. This is actually the first prototype of my signature base. Nice. This is the base that I use with Tower of Power. This is a base that I use all over the world with film, yeah. with, you know, so like, this was the first, the very first model, like zero number, zero, 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 one. Nice. And yeah. that's six, uh, 60s space jazz pickups? It was pretty much like a 70s oh, okay. J-Bass, oh. right? With a little cut here for the shredders. Yeah. We took the knob right there. And then we had the EMG-X pickups, which are like a good blend of passive and active, you know, because I was doing the film gig. It was hardcore metal music and I was playing with War and Tower at the same time. Wow. I needed a bass that can take me through like really heavy music and really funky low end. So it has a bass treble control and like a balanced pot so there's no face cancellation between the two pickups. Volume, balance, and uh, bass treble control for the EMG pickups and the the but the pickup spacing is sixties. Uh, Looks like it's sixties. Yeah, yeah, correct, uh, correct, yeah. correct. Okay. like a regular with a Babbitt's. What do you think of those bridges, man? I love them, yeah, especially yeah. if you're doing low tunings. You know, okay. because um, they gave it more like a feel of like a like a piano. You know, it's like I don't know if it shaves the low end hmm. on it because it's a low density bridge. It's an aluminum bridge. So it, Oh. My physics, I'm assuming it might shave a little bit of the really low end from zero, maybe more to that mid range to kind of poke. Ask, yeah, those, no, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm assuming because he felt like it, he felt like it had a little more tone quality to it, like a little less air. Okay, really low. I feel the bridges, I had a Babbitt's on an ESP too. I feel the um, the effect, the foundation of the note. There is yeah. so much contact with the body wood. Right. You know, like when some people say, oh, the bridges don't matter. Bridges matter a lot. I think oh, yeah. so, yeah. It's like the yeah. well, it's like the tires in your car, you know? I mean, right. they do do something, right? Uh, Everything in the fucking instrument, it's like a, an airplane, dude. Everything matters, you know? The bridge, the wood. nut, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The tuners. The rod, what type of freaking rod, the wood, everything matters on the base. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Tony, I always laughed because the people that were complaining about the bridges, it's like, all right, your contact point on your bridge saddle is this. Two little set screws that are controlling your vibration from your string to your body. Whereas the Babbitt's is that. Yeah. What one's going to be better? Right. And it's like, oh, like a shallower. It's like a big little, like, it's kind of hard to describe, but if you're sitting on a roller on an additional piece of metal as well, so it's huge. Uh -huh. Speaking gonna, about big bridges, look at GNL. I was gonna say that about GNL. GNL feels like a Babix bridge with bass. Heavy AF. No, it feels like it has a little more more ball. I'm a big fan of heavy bridges, man. Yeah. You know. And Leo's whole idea was that this goes into the body. Uh, what is it? Um, perpendicular to the grain of the wood. Mm -hmm. So 
if, for instance, like on this, we yeah, got the grain Leo going Fander, this way. Leo Fender didn't know shit, man. I don't know. <laughs> that Leo guy, he didn't know Jack. He so was yeah, Mexican. Like <laughs> Too bad nobody's copied him. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Imagine, imagine if, if, like, imagine if people, if, like, if this Stratocaster would have been, like, successful and shit. Right. Who's that? Who's that? Jimmy Hendr? Hen, uh, no, just kidding. Um, so, Poncho, you like a wood that I'm not exactly a fan of, but you really like it. And when you play it, you sound fantastic. That's Empress. You like you Empress know, for two reasons. One, uh, one is if you're like a freaking flea like myself on stage and like to move around. You want something that you can move around with that you feel comfortable with. That was primarily with it. When I played it, it has a, a lot of midrange. I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, it's, it's the light. It's the it's that. It, it's just not dense. It's not now, a dense wood. Now I don't think you can take an Empress base on the road because it'll fall apart. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, the the, the screws and the movement. There's so much movement that goes on a tour. You know, especially if you have bad. If you're if you if you're playing, you know, typically like we know, you play, you fucking kick the shit out of the bass and then you throw the bass on the stage and then you leave and all of a sudden the bass is back on stage the next day and then you just plug it and you all do the same shit, you beat the fuck out of it. You put it in the stand, you go to the hotel, the next day the bass is there, the strings are changed, oh my God, you know. So Empress, I don't think it might be the best. Yeah would for that type of scenario or or even a roasted neck like i have which man it's sexy as hell it's, it's, i want to take a bite of it yeah it's, uh, it's chocolate wait a second so what do you think about the roasted you're not a fan of it on the road i well I, I i haven't had the chance to take a roasted neck neck on the road yeah i like um I like maple and fucking Adler or ash or whatever that is common that if it breaks, if, it, if I had an issue with it, I can replace. If I'm on a long run, if I'm recording, if I'm a, a recording gig where I have to leave town, see if I gotta go to Europe or do somewhere out of town, then I'll bring like the nice base with a roasted neck, then I'll bring P-Bates, yeah. I'll bring my Tobias, you know, I'll bring all the sounds, a good preamp. So one of the beauties of ro of roasted is it's supposed to um, doesn't move as much. It's supposed to be more. It's lighter, but it's supposed to be more stable. Yeah. But the spruce, yeah. the spruce will, will will chip. You know, like it's kind of like empress. The the spruce don't tend to hold like. I'll find paint. out soon. I've well, got one it, coming. The yeah. spruce and all that hold better than empress for sure. Yeah. And Tony, that's also on a roasted neck that's usually quarter sawn. So that even helps it that much more. Like yours, Poncho, is a quarter sawn uh, roasted neck. And, and that's what I have on one of my SBs that I really like because I didn't have the best of luck with roasted bodies. I, I was, it almost was the same thing, Poncho, with an Empress body. I felt like a roasted body kind of had that same, it just wasn't as dense. So it knocked a lot of that low off, that fundamental that we like. But then again, like you said, for, for weight, it's it's nice if you're. I don't think I don't think um, boy, I have one of my first ESPs was like eleven pounds. You know, it was heavy as fuck. 
And I don't think it had nothing. It did. It had nothing to do with the sound or oh, okay. the bass or anything like that. Uh, um, maybe I. I don't know. Maybe the elephant at uh, the fucking LA Zoo was going like, "Oh my god, that's loud!" Because you know they hear it and shit. The I didn't hear it personally. You didn't hear the brown uh, note. Yeah, I mean, and it, it had a bunch of crap in it. It had like Aguilar pickups and the PT1 controls yeah. and like, it looked like a, a bunch of, you know, like, so maybe it's not even the the way the wood sounds, you know, it's got so much between the wood and, and, and the output, you know, with all these preamps, all these cell phone preamps, mm -hmm. you know, and like all this crap, so I don't know. And then he, Sounds good for rock, you know, the, la the, the last model ESP that I did sounded good. I just wanted a passive instrument for GNL. Well, I think that the, uh, the MFD pickups really, I mean, just inherently, inherently, however you say that word, mm -hmm. uh, they have that, that low mid that I don't think, that, like, no matter what wood you put on it, they're going to have their tonal characteristic. And then a little bit of the thumbprint or fingerprint of the wood. So the MFDs are... They're legit, man. Definitely so. They're super legit, man. Yeah, yeah. Super legit. I mean, they're. Um, I don't know, man. They they're incredible, man. Because they're, they're because they're clean and because yes. you know what? They're they're passive, so they're. Yeah. Something I I uh, something I really I really enjoyed about about my vintage sounds where that, you know, they're kind of noisy, you know, they're kind of like, you gotta move around to get away from the hum, you know, but yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, you got, the MFDs are really loud, too, and they're still, you get that little vintage vibe. They're analog, they have some analog. They're not, yeah, no. and, yeah, the analog yeah. vibe, they're not all that kind of like a, like a EMG. Sure. Which he gives it a vibe. Got it. Sorry, Poncho, I'm having trouble uh, hearing you. I don't know if you want to. I don't know what's going on. There we go. There we go. That's a little better. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, it's it's um, let's see what how he does. You know. Yeah. We're gonna, we put a bunch of goodies on the base, a bunch of rails. Yeah. Like that. Steve, like that. that could be me. I apologize, guys. I just threw my AC on, and I'm wondering if that's picking up on the mic. No, that's all right. Um, so Poncho, and then amp-wise, what are you what are you using these? I mean, obviously we're not gigging and stuff, but what was your amp of choice? Was it form factor or was it? I I, I did the form uh, factor stuff for the when I was doing the really heavy low tunings, mm -hmm. you know, thousand watt. I needed to be loud, yeah. but now I just recently signed a deal with uh, Mesa Mesa Boogie. Oh, great stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, and, uh, they sent me a bass prodigy, which is like a two head because I wanted something uh, a little nastier, a little vintagier for the Dig Infinity stuff, right? Yeah. And they're sending me the 800, which is like a solid state kind of amp too. They're gonna for test. I gotta call him actually. <laughs> Chris, man, Chris Dilbeck. He he really is cool. He he gave me a tour of the factory and. It reminded me of GNL, but app-wise, you know. Um, yeah, they've they've always been a really nice kind of grassroots almost kind of company. Never, which is great. Yeah, and such a lot of California history, you know. And uh, I love that. You know, I'm, I'm very uh, almost a nationalist for the lack of better words when it comes to my gear. You know, I love American instruments, man. You know, I don't know. It's just like the electric bass was invented here. 
you know? Yeah. You want to learn the acoustic guitar flamenco, you get a guitar from Spain because that's where the shit was. <laughs> you want to learn how to play the precision bass, you buy a bass here in California from GNL because that's where the shit was made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Same with Mesa and same with all that other goody, goody stuff that is here, you know? Are you using the boogie stuff for recording or are you, I mean, you said you're, you're, you're plugging everything in, but do you like the boogie stuff for recording? Yeah, I am miking. I will, I will use the ready for my direct cool. and then I will run the boogie with a form factor 15 ceramic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then I will mic that uh, when, I, when I'm like, when I'm like, maybe not too stone, you know, I'll just use the ready and the, and the 15 inch cabinet mic'd. <laughs> no, but uh, there has been times where I've used the uh, XLR out of the Mesa Boogie. Sounds good. And it sounds great. It sounds yeah. great. You know, so it's all good. Mesa makes a great amp and yeah. great quality control. You know, so. and I, so, yeah, the Mesa GNL combination is nice. That's good. I hear great things about the Mesa. A couple of friends of mine are endorsing them right now and they, yeah. they love it. We should get you in, guys. We should get everybody in. Mesa. We should, we should put a Mesa Boogie amp at the GNL stage. That's what we should do. We have, we have, you know, we do the GK thing. We've got that. Anything American, we're going to get a mega Ampeg, you know, rig over there. But Boogie would be great, too. Anything that has that that uh, that lineage, you know, especially Southern California kind of thing, since yeah, that's where Leo yeah, was from. I, I like it. I mean, I my whole trajectory was PV's Jazz Bass and Ampeg A10 cabinet and a cable with one tuner. That was all the gear I used for years until I started playing metal and then yeah. the metal boards came in and shit. But dude, that, that right there that you described is pretty much all our tone nirvana. That's like, oh man, just that, that that's just I mean, great tone. We're working, we're working musicians, you know? Yeah. So that's like, that's like you're a chef and you got your chef knife and your filet knife and your shit. Like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, now I supplement. I added the ready to the to the backline. You know, in case, and then that was it. You know, um, keeping it simple. You know, good cables. You know, yeah. I, I've been endorsed with. Uh, well, I was. I haven't. Hey, maybe I can talk to you right now. I was with the Adario. I've been with the Adario forever. Yeah. No. But uh, it's been, with all honesty, you know, I mean, great company and, and great, great strings, but they're, they've been a little harder to reach because they keep changing their artist rep hmm. so many times. So by the time I get to call them, no, nobody knows what's going on. And, you know, but anyway, so, but I've been using them to various strings for, for a while. And cool. I guess since I was in high school, you know, yeah. um, and that was it. That, that, Keep on keeping it, you know, nothing fancy. I did have a Tomastic infill and mm. more strings too. Yeah. Which was unbelievable, which was yeah. great. But after I I jumped to the Diadario for for you know strategic reasons because I got a, a deal that covered Diadario and Planet Waves and all the other stuff. So I had a, I have an account with the Dario with an allutement for strings. So I don't you know, so it was like what do I do? You know, I mean, tomastic strings are incredible. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I think that P base right there still has a set of tomastic infill strings from two thousand three. Nice. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just leave them on there and let them marinate. Seventeen-year-old strings—they're still there. They still <laughs> do. Hell yeah, man! Uh, so, um, how um, 
Poncho, how much recording are you doing at home? Do you do Pro Tools, Logic? What do you What do you use? I'm working with Pro Tools nice. right now with our careers that were, you know we're composing volumes of yeah. music. So tell us about Facebook. Yeah, tell us. So Dig Infinity. Tell yeah. us about that. That's the band, and you guys produce a lot of stuff for Facebook, right? Facebook and a lot of other people, but mainly like you know. Uh, for the volume stuff uh, for Facebook because they require a lot of music for their collection, you know? Cool. Hmm. So we did about, we did a run um, until last July, we did a contract of 12 songs a month for three years. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Wow. We wrote, we wrote perform, record, produce yeah. uh, over 300 songs. That's the, the, my last gig that I just did. I'm going to take a six-month break coming up. We're moving to the mountains. Yes. So what, from now on, we're going to the mountains and see you later. <laughs> what's, uh, um, what's the, where can they find that? Or is it on, I know it's on oh, Facebook. Facebook Sound Collection. Facebook Sound I, On Facebook, just look up Facebook Sound Collection and there's a few outlets. Yeah. All that stuff is GNL basis. Yeah. The exception of the first 12 songs I did with my, my ESP signature that I had. But yeah, and that's but, uh, dig it's under Dig Infinity. Dig right? Infinity or Vibe Yard. Vibe Yard is another one, which is all the African stuff and all the like recorded cool. tape. No overdubs. It's all like one take kind of shit. All like, like old school. Everybody in the room, no headphones. Yeah. Recorded to an eight, eight track tape machine, you know? Hmm. That, that was I awesome. like that type of recording actually. Yeah, I'm finishing a record whole, right now with that. We, we did like 16 songs in three days like that. You know, we were just cutting, cutting, cutting. Then we did stuff with Angela Moore, with George Lynch, yeah. with, uh, with uh, David Hidalgo from Los Lobos, hmm. with right, and Carl Parasa, with Roger Smith. Yeah. We did a bunch of sessions with uh, like, uh, the most I've ever written and produced <laughs> in my life. It was like a doctorate degree, you know, on production. Yeah. And um, right now we're just, uh, we, that just, all that production turned into a collective, a massive collective now that we have worldwide of musicians. Hmm. So now we're actually promoting that and we're gonna start putting music as our own label called eclectic you know and we're gonna start putting all these records out nice. are, you know we're getting a couple of deals from some people working on some stuff and one that once that's panning out and it's panning out pretty soon the production will be open again but it was it's gonna be under our own cool label rather than selling it to a light or licensing or selling it to a company it's fantastic yeah we're old man that's why this is what old people do in the music business. Well, you know? no, I mean, well, it, it's it's taking advantage of. Well, I mean, you know, dude, you're in this thing. I know we always talk about this, but really, being you have to be multifaceted and you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to kind of try new things and not be afraid yeah. to try new things. Man. More than that, you got stuck. You got stuck, Poncho. Hold on. God damn. Right. There you go. You gotta be hungry. We, and, and, and yeah, I mean, in the multifaceted thing, and I think it, it just happened naturally because, like I said, like we were talking about like all these other musicians, like my trajectory, my it's been my life. I've moved all over Latin America. 
yeah. that has allowed me to see and experience all these rhythms and all this music and all it's like it's like you almost know shit without knowing you know shit you know what i'm saying <laughs> and it's there and you're like oh shit it's there like yeah. i'm sure it has happened to you that you are like playing and you're jamming and you're soloing on like a jazz standard and you play a Coltrane lick that you heard like that you didn't learn but you heard two weeks ago while you were listening to some Coltrane and all of a sudden it comes out yeah you didn't learn it you didn't practice it you I don't you know what I'm saying oh yeah dude. So it's like that it's like life your experiences you learn by osmosis. Yeah, exactly, dude. And I think that's the best way because music should be like that. You know, music was never written down. You know what I'm saying? Music is non-tangible. Music is the only artwork that, I'm going to use a funny word, penetrates the body. Well, physically. I, I love that. Um, for me, one of my favorite, you know, Errol Garner, you know, composer, Misty. He, I mean, he had. There's a documentary on him. That's, uh, it's called "You Can't Hear Me Read," which I think is so kind of prolific because the way he plays, you obviously think that he's schooled. And it's like, no, man, he just this was here. You know, it was yeah. soul, and and yeah. he was not a studied musician. But look at yeah. what I mean, Misty. Oh, yeah. that's like one of the most beautiful, gorgeous standards used everywhere. And uh, anyways, I don't know, it just. Don't say that at Berkeley College of Music, else they'll no. walk in the yeah. Yeah. But that's a thing where you know you, you definitely <laughs> you definitely have to have that. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It's like, dude, uh, I mean, it, it happens both ways because I've seen classical musicians open a freaking symphonic chart with twenty-one staff on it and go, yeah, play the shit, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like what? And it sounds beautiful. And like, oh, and they get the faces in the <laughs> like a computer. And I'm like, okay, that is like, that is like a demigod shit right there. You know, to do that too. I mean, it goes both ways. You know, it's like, there is no like, I play by feeling I'm better no. than you. No. If you say that is because you're very insecure about not reading music. True. That's what I want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When people go, no. Fuck that, I don't need to read, I play by ear. Oh, uh, that means you caved in at your last jazz gig and now you're embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, all right, so, um, and film, tell us about film. That was a project that's still going oh, on. Uh, film, 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 um, film is an interesting thing. Film's still going. Okay. Three albums and we start, uh, start writing album number four. We want to release album three and four together just to put a bunch of music out. And the members are, who are the members? Gary uh, Nessler, GNL yeah. artist. Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and and um, uh, Dave Lombardo on drums. Um, good old Dave Lombardo yeah. from, from some bands. Uh, we, um, we had some, some friendship fallout with Dave, which, mm. which was a little sad because when the band was um, <clears throat> touring, you know, and cooking and playing in little freaking cave clubs in Bordeaux and like friends with like 300 sweaty people in there. And we were a brotherhood. I mean, you know, we shared rooms, we smell our stinky socks and 
we had dinner together. We, it was a brotherhood, but then um, like a good old fucking rock and roll story, man. A, uh, the hair of a vagina has more pull than a fucking wire pulling a fucking 18 wheeler, you know? So. Didn't, uh, didn't he end up playing with suicidal tendencies as well, right? Very picturesque. <laughs> Try to translate out from Spanish, but I had trouble. Here I'm trying to pull him away from that, saying he's playing with two sides. Anyway, so yeah, so well, so you know, shit happened. That's what I'm trying. Stuff happened. But 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 um, but whatever music we did was phenomenal. It was mind blowing. No one can. But uh, and what did you say, Tony? He's uh, he was playing for suicidal, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He still is. I, you know what? More than pissed. I was so heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, when when we had a fallout, and I think this is the very first time I'm talking about it mm. online with anybody. But everything's okay now, or is it? Is Every, it's been okay? It's like yeah. I don't like to talk shit. You know, no, everybody but, but thinks I'm gonna because I'm loud. No. Everybody thinks if I get into a no, fight, no. I'm gonna go fuck you, Tony. He's a fucking guitar player. You know, he sits down to pee. No, dude, I'm not like that. <laughs> No, but but the thing is, it's brotherly love too, man. I mean, dudes. Yeah. Well, like, that's exactly what I'm saying right now. It's yeah. like to me, it hurt me more than it pissed me off. Yeah. Because the music was so cool, and when we were like together without yeah. any outside bullshit as a band, as a trio, playing with Deep Purple, playing with fucking Lamb of God, playing like doing all these tours. Yeah. Fucking, we were opening with Deep Purple, and I'm playing like this and I look around it's Roger Glover, Ian Pace, nice. fucking Ian Gillen with a camera fucking filming us because it was mind blowing. You know what I'm saying? And then I look at Dave and he's smiling and we're and I look at Jerry, he's fucking screaming his ass out, you know, and it was good. It was a fucking well, it'll it'll come back. It'll it'll be back. Yeah. You know, I, I played with Dave once actually, and as well, he's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. Powerful and precise, you know. Yeah, uh, the precise. I might have some debates on that. <laughs> the powerful, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, all I have to say is like, I I have nothing but good memories. You know, touring with film. Uh, the end fight was ridiculous, as retarded as a fucking VH1. Where are they now? Fucking, you know, type of fight on the band, you know, because of the stupidest fucking things, you know what I'm saying? But when you get to that point, then you gotta go, you know what, let me turn around because otherwise you can you get hurt. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and when fucking bad behavior and stupidity and anger and name calling starts to go into place, then you know, the smartest thing you can do before you fucking impale a motherfucker with your base is you walk away and then you don't go to jail. You know what I'm saying? So. So that's what happened, and and me and Jerry, we keep writing, and we've written stuff besides film, you know, a lot of other stuff besides film, because we're not metal, you know what I'm saying? Um, we're just artists, and our musicians, whatever you want to call us. So um, the the new film albums coming out, one is done, one is still, we're still working on the fourth one, and um and it was what it was, you know. There's nothing else to talk about it on that regard, you know. Cool, so, Pancho, where can we find you on online? Where's your, all your socials? Um, 
Well, you can find me on the, some reruns of judgejudy.com. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tomaselli owed me two months of back rent. Were you on Cops, too? You are not the father. Fuck yeah! You know, I was like, um, we actually wrote the theme song for a Cops show that is actually still on air in Boston. It was the Boston Cups. When we were at Berkeley, we got the... Oh, my gosh. It was 7-4. And guess who the drummer was? Uh, I don't know. Fucking Antonio Sanchez, dude. From Pat Metheny. And, you know, like the master. Wow. That's the only time I've ever played with him. Screw those Boston guys. Yeah. Not yeah. Boston. It's no good. It's who my glasses were. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, you know, if you want to find me, you know, like locally, and, 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 and it was very calculated to add a Mexican name next to an Italian last name, so it's different. Pancho. You know, Pancho Tomaselli uh, Instagram, you know, Pancho Tomaselli Facebook. Yep. Pancho Tomaselli Fuckbook. No, I'm kidding. Pancho Tomaselli. Um, uh, where, Wait, else? where else am I? Grinder? Are you on Grinder? Tinder, <laughs> just punch it on Facebook, I'll put, and Instagram, and uh, I have a YouTube channel with like I'll, three I'll subscribers. Go, I will find it and I will put it on there for sure. <laughs> I will okay. make sure. Dude, well, thanks, thanks so much, man. And and uh, you and the family, everybody's safe with all this craziness. You guys healthy and good? Yeah, well, we're about to get the hell out. It froze up again. Wait, that's a classic picture right there. Right. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait one, one more time, Pancho. What's that? You're, you're, uh, you're taking a little we're vacation. About to, we're, about to, uh, we're about to move to the mountains, you know. There you go. Thought, um, dealing with bears was easier to dealing with fucking tweakers and Antifa, you know. So I'm out, you know. So <laughs> yeah, just get away. From we're we're going to move and check out for a year. Nice. And, um, and see what happens after November. You know? And see what happens. All right. So on that note, we say bye to the audience, but we stay and talk some shit afterwards. So there you go. Pancho Tomaselli on the Big Bottom Podcast. Rocking. Keep an eye out. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Pancho. Thanks, Pancho. Bye, Thanks, audience. Pancho. But hold on. Hold on.